Welcome to the Dinner Party Download. This is your icebreaker. Okay, I'll try to tell this one real fast. Man and woman playing golf. They're playing on this old rustic course, and they come to this, like, old barns on the side of the course, and the guy hits his ball over there, and he goes over. He's like, you know what, I'm going to take a drop and just forget about the barn and just take a stroke penalty. So I said, wait a minute, honey, what if you open the doors and just hit right through and you don't have to take a penalty? He says, okay, I'll give it a shot. So he hits the ball, and it ricochets off something in there, ricochets off something else, hits his wife in the head, kills her, dead. Okay. One year later, the guy's playing on the same course, comes to the same home, playing with a buddy of his. He pushes the ball into almost the same place, and he tells his buddy, he says, hey, man, I'm just going to pick it up, take a stroke penalty. He says, hey, man, no, you know what you should do? Open up the doors and hit it right through. Then you don't have to take a penalty. He said, are you kidding me, man? I did that last year. I made a five on this hole. I'm Rico Galliano. I'm Brendan Francis Noonan, and from 89.3 KPCC in Los Angeles, this is the Dinner Party Download, the show that helps you win your next dinner party. Our icebreaker this week came from our guest of honor, Daily Show correspondent Larry Wilmore. I take it he golfs. Indeed. We'll be speaking with him later. But first, small talk. So, Rico, this week, a rag-to-riches story dominated the Academy Awards. It did. And a riches-to-rag story dominated our lives. As usual. (laughs) And at this point, people are tired of talking about both. So to get some new conversation fodder and to make sure our colleagues still had jobs, we took a spin around the offices at Marketplace. George Judson, managing editor... What story are you going to be talking about at your weekend dinner party? Whether real men can own poodles, or more specifically, whether a real president can own a poodle. Because it is rumored that Obama has settled upon a dog, and I'm assuming it is not a poodle. It is rumored that he has indeed chosen a Portuguese water dog, which pretty much looks like a poodle in every way, except it's not a poodle. But but if the idea here is to, is to get a, a macho-sounding dog breed, I don't think Portuguese water dog, that sounds like an astrological sign. I think what you want to do is get a dog that's called, like, the Nuke Shepherd, <laughs> and it'll be fine. Stacey Vanek-Smith, senior reporter at Marketplace. What story are you going to be talking about at your dinner party this weekend? The 2009 Toy Fair was this week, and they unveiled the Bernie Madoff doll. Oh, it was inevitable. But it's, it's pretty creative. It's called the Smash Me Bernie doll. It comes with a golden hammer, and you can actually smash the doll. Um, the worst part about the doll, though, is it costs $99. And so who can afford $99 to pay for a silly doll? See, I was thinking about this, and here's the thing. So you pay $99 for this doll, and then you smash it, and you have nothing left, which is eerily like investing with the man himself. Ben Adair, special producer on the Sustainability Beat. What is your story of the week? I was at a conference last week talking about sustainability, global climate change, And one of the things that was discussed off the record was that apparently with $50,000 and an eBay account, you can purchase enough genetic engineering equipment to manufacture your own cowpox variant, enough to kill 4 billion people. Joaquin Phoenix is sitting somewhere right now going, what's the buy it now price? And now, time for cocktails. This is the part of the show where we tell you something that happened this week in history and then give you a fitting drink to serve along with it. It's like getting a degree in history at your favorite bar. I did that, in fact. First, the history. (laughs) This week, back in 1844, the USS Princeton set sail on a pleasure cruise from Alexandria, Virginia. Now, most of the folks at your dinner party will think that sounds just lovely. Hmm. Our friend Michelle Philippi is about to tell you why they're wrong. 
Navy Captain Robert Stockton battled pirates in Algeria and fought in two wars. But the most famous shot he fired was in Alexandria, Virginia, during peacetime. Stockton was showing off his dream boat, the USS Princeton. It was the Navy's first propeller-powered steamship. Stockton had convinced engineering genius John Erickson to design it with him, right down to its two guns, the Oregon and the Peacemaker. Each weighed around 27,000 pounds. They could each shoot a cannonball five miles, but there was one big difference. The Oregon was well-tested. The Peacemaker had only been test-fired five times. Erickson thought it wasn't ready for action, but Stockton had it stuck on the Princeton anyway, apparently eager to impress everyone with his fancy guns. And by everyone, I mean everyone. 350 people boarded the Princeton in Alexandria, among them President John Tyler and his cabinet. The peacemaker was fired twice that day, no problem. Then the Secretary of the Navy asked Stockton to fire just one more round. That's when the peacemaker made the opposite of peace. The gun exploded, injuring 20 people and killing eight, including President Tyler's personal slave, his fiance's father, his Secretary of State, and the Secretary of the Navy. Stockton lost most of his hair in the accident, but not much else. A Navy court cleared him of wrongdoing. He went on to become a New Jersey senator. Meanwhile, the explosion went down as one of the worst peacetime disasters in U.S. history, and maybe the first for which no one was held responsible. So that was the history. Now for the booze to serve along with it. On the line is Todd Thrasher, award-winning mixologist at Restaurant Eve in Alexandria, Virginia. And Todd, you've heard the history of the Princeton. What cocktail does it inspire you to make? Well, it, it was obviously some bloodshed on the ship that day. So oh, a little bit. A little bit. So I have a, a cocktail, the Bloody Berry Fizz. The Bloody Berry Fizz. Bloody Berry Fizz. Delightful in a slightly macabre way. How, did, how, how is this thing made? So it's um, pomegranate juice. Blood orange juice. Lots of red. Lots of red. So the color is definitely a, it's a muted, rusty red, you know, like real blood. <laughs> Nothing more appetizing before a meal. Exactly. Uh, a little bit of lime juice, the white of one egg. And then there's a vodka on the market called Surreal Vodka, the red berry cream flavor. You put everything together. You take the egg, you shake it. The egg will create a little meringue on top. And then kind of the piece de resistance on it. I make um, homemade pomegranate molasses. I keep that in a little eyedropper. Take your eyedropper and little drops of blood on top of the cocktail. Oh, man. You can serve that uh, in February or for Halloween. Exactly. I have to ask you, you're, Alexandria is very close to Washington, D.C. Do you ever get actual cabinet members at your restaurant? We have gotten actual cabinet members. The ex-first lady used to come quite a bit here. Laura Bush? Closet smoker, not much of a drinker. Really? Yeah. The things you learn if you're a bartender. You, you do learn that. You know, Secret Service comes in and they start talking. Wow, that's real encouraging. All I have to do is buy the Secret Service like a Michelob Ultralight and I will get the launch codes for our country's <laughs> nuclear arsenal. <laughs> it's true. It's like I've, I've heard the term that they will take a bullet for the president, but I didn't realize that a bullet for the president is the name of a cocktail. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take three. All right, you can find all our cocktail recipes and all seven missing minutes from the Watergate tapes at our website, 
It's dinnerpartydownload.com. Our guest of honor this week is writer and comedian Larry Wilmore. He's the creator of the Bernie Mac Show. For the past couple of years, he's been the, quote, senior black correspondent for The Daily Show. Uh, he's got a new book out. And Larry, why don't you tell us about your new book? Yeah, my book is called I'd Rather We Got Casinos and Other Black Thoughts. And it's a collection of satire of my black thoughts, I guess. The technical definition of satire, I guess, is an author writes comedically but about something that he or she disapproves of. Does that ring true here? Are, there, are, there, are you taking on certain things or myths that you have trouble with? Uh, I don't view it that technically, but I guess you could say uh, I take umbrage to the way people view race and culture, because I think people view it too seriously. And so I'm doing the opposite. I don't know why, but that makes me think of that uh, bit you did on The Daily Show when David Patterson, the blind African-American uh, politician, was nominated as governor of New York. Yeah. You uh, showed Jon Stewart a clip of him rushing to the podium, and you say... So exciting. Look at him moving through that crowd, John. He wants to get there before they change their minds. Yeah, and which is, when you see Patterson, you can understand why. He's out of his frickin' mind. I mean, I don't care if he's blind as a bat. He's fruity as a bat, too, you know? He is. He did drugs, was cheating on his wife. Apparently, they were cheating on each other. And actually, in that skit, you were talking to John, and you were saying, you know what, blind people... Don't take this away from us. He's one of ours. You hear that, blind people? He's only 90% blind, but he's 100% black. Okay? Do you want to rethink that now that Patterson's uh, turned out to be a little... We, uh, we may give him back the way we gave back Ray Charles for a while during the 60s. You know, Then we took him back during those Pepsi commercials. You know? but, uh, <laughs> so we'll see. We may lease him. Well, we have two standard questions that we ask all our guests of honor. And the first is, what's one question you're tired of being asked? One question I'm tired of being asked is, how's comedy going to change with Obama? What's your crystal ball, man? He's ruining it! No, I don't know. How, you know, how am I going to tell the future? It's that question. So people have been asking you a lot about that. Since how's it going to change? Yes, they keep asking that same question. How is comedy going to change? I'm hoping Obama, part of the change is more funny for brothers. <laughs> That's, you know what? That's all the change I need. Yeah, yeah. There's one other question we ask in our show. It's actually a statement. Just tell us something we don't know, something you've never talked about uh, in interviews before. Uh, I am a, a sleight of hand magician. Did it since I was a kid. And um, I'm getting my first kind of trick published in a magic magazine uh, next month. Really? Yeah. Do you remember what drew you to magic in the first place? Yeah, I saw a rope trick when I was uh, like in Cub Scouts, or it was Indian Y Guide back then, you know, when... People still weren't sensitive about Native Americans. <laughs> I think they might have called it Injun Y Guides. I mean, that's how bad it was back then. But, uh, but that's why we gave them the casinos. That's why they got them. Exactly. They hit the mother load, man. You know what I find magical, Brendan? I'm scared to find out. Our listeners. Oh, and I like God. To, and I like to hear from them. <laughs> they should send us a mother load of email. Here's the address. It's <laughs> dinnerparty at kpcc.org. So we've met our guest of honor. Now it's time for the main course, the part of the show where we go to any restaurant we want, eat for free, and pretend we're teaching you something. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's working. Except for the part where we make piles of cash afterwards. Well, we're, get, we're working on that. So, Brendan, last week during this segment, I was really enjoying listening to you say the term lard pig. Lard pig. 
Yay! So this week, I have a little verbal treat for you, okay? Um, okay. I mean, tough competition. Hard pig was pretty good. Here we go. Bamboodles. Oh, foiled again. Enjoy. Isn't Bamboodles the name of your friend that picks you up here on Fridays? (laughs) You can see that guy? (laughs) It's Uh, a she, dude. (laughs) News to me. Well, (laughs) what Bamboodles is, is a noodle restaurant. And it's, actually, it's three restaurants. Two opened in China around 1941, uh-huh. and the third opened in California four months ago. Go figure. I love it. They have an unusual way of making very tasty noodles, but of course, when I spoke to co-owner Chuck Liu the other day, first I had to ask about the name. How do you pronounce the name of these noodles in Chinese? Chuxingmin. And in America, it's Bamboodles. <laughs> exactly is our name. At first, we just say bamboo noodles, but it's too long, so we just say, okay, Bamboodles. <laughs> Tell me the history of these noodles. The noodles from uh, southern China. Southern China? Yeah, southern China and, and northern China noodles is a little different. The southern have eggs in the noodles. Eggs? Yes. And the northern, they don't have eggs. That's why you commonly, in northern China, they pull the noodles. Like stretch them? Yeah, they pull the dough and become noodles. But southern Chinese uh, noodles, they have eggs. So they cannot pull it. It breaks. So do you cut it like spaghetti or something? Yes. Wow. But I understand that the big difference between these noodles and other noodles is what you do to the dough before it's cut. You want to show me what happens? Sure. Mm-hmm. Right, this is, this is a very interesting motion that we're watching right now. The noodle maker is taking, like, it looks to be about a, I don't know, a seven-foot-long bamboo pole that's about as thick as a small tree. Yeah, about four inches. And he's sort of laying the bamboo rod on the dough and then hooking one leg over the rod and then hopping up and down on the other leg to make the bamboo rod bounce and flatten out the noodles. Yes. The old time, the bamboo is much longer in the old days. But right now here, we have a limited space. That's why we can only use seven foot. Why use that process? Could you not use a rolling pin? The difference is our noodles uh, is much chewier. And even when you put it in a long time in a soup, it will not get mushy. Really? Yes, it just gets soft. What, does anybody else do this to your knowledge in America? Not that I know of. I mean, the good news for you is that there's no way I could make this at home because I would, you know, destroy my kitchen. Right. <laughs> so Brendan, I had a bowl of these things in soup. And? They don't use MSG. Mm-hmm. They use really lean pork. I like bamboo noodles. Well, obviously, you've never had my snowblower gnocchi. <laughs> That's true. Or my VCR crepes. And that's the Dinner Party Download for this week. Special thanks to our researcher, Jessica Dial, and to Kevin Ferguson, Jonathan Service, Amy Machado, and Frank Stoltz for the cheese stick. And of course, to John Raby and Queen Kim, you should check out their show, Off Ramp. Go to kpcc.org. We leave you, as always, with One for the Road, a song to listen to on your way to, or in this case, the morning after your weekend's dinner party. The year was 1953. His name was Webb Pierce, and the song is called There Stands the Glass. Bon appétit. There stands the glass That will ease all my pain That will settle my brain It's my first one to take 
stands the glass That will hide all my tears That will drown all my fears Brother, I'm on my way I'm Rico Galliano. I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. And Rico, here's a magic trick. Hi there. You pulled Kai Rizdal out of a hat? Dude, what did you do with the rabbit? Now, I think it's hosting my show. Oh. Sorry. <laughs>